Thanks for listening to Faith in the Fast Life. I'm Nick Orda. I'm your host. On this show, we look to break down the stereotypes of what the Christian looks like to the world by receiving testimony of action sports athletes and other athletes and just individuals across the world. You can find us on Instagram, YouTube, Facebook, and fastlifeministries.com to give. Hope you enjoy this episode. Awesome. So welcome to Faith in the Fast Life podcast this morning. We have, uh, we're, we're doing this big event. So it's, uh, we got some of the stunt dudes in town. You. And uh, th- this morning right now we have uh, Louis Cortisi. If uh, anybody followed Fast Life, uh, check our YouTube page. Louis was actually the first video that we ever edited. Hmm. A professional BMXer coming out of the Florida area. He's up in Colorado with me today. And Louis, welcome, man. Ah, glad to be here. Man, that's crazy. That was the first video. Yeah. I didn't realize that. Yep, it was the very first one we got. I came down there and got all that footage, and then yours was the first edit to hit. So That's awesome. Um, yeah, man, I appreciate you doing that. I appreciate you being here. Um, so any of the listeners who have followed that and seen that, you know, we might recap on some of that here today. We're just here to get your story, man. So how, how old are you now? I uh, just turned 24 about two weeks ago, so 24 years yeah. young. Yep, I've I've oh, matched my age to my broken bones, finally. There you go. Hopefully, we don't exceed it. <laughs> so knocking on wood, right. praying to the Lord. Uh, yeah, twenty four. Twenty four broken bones, man. Tell me more about that, dude. I broke my first bone when I was six racing motocross, and broke twenty three more after that. A lot of it was uh, all from motocross, uh, racing motocross my whole life. So. Uh, had some pretty gnarly injuries and also some like not so serious ones, but uh, the reason why that number is so high is because I actually broke all my ribs on one side, so we just count all the ribs as well. But uh, that was actually like my most insane injury. It's a big part of my story and my life was uh, breaking all my ribs. Went rib went through my spleen, ruptured my spleen, ended up getting like deathly sick after that. And I was in the hospital for about like a month through that whole situation. So tell me more about that. How how did all that go down? So it's crazy because um, when I was super young, obviously at three years old, my dad was like, I think it's a great idea to get this kid into motocross. So that's what we did. And um, when you get into motocross, chances are you're going to get hurt. It's not if, it's when. Mm -hmm. So um, when I was around 11 years old is when my family uh, kind of took a financial turn for the worst. Um, They ended up, within one year, they ended up losing their house, their business, and uh, my grandfather, which was the person who helped my family, like, accumulate the wealth, uh, passed away from leukemia. My dad was diagnosed with cancer, and I was in the hospital with that injury. I ended up, um, was, uh, it was my last year in, oh no, it was my first year into the super mini class. So it's basically, like, uh, modded out bikes, bigger wheels, and it's the more competitive class for motocross as you're going up the ranks. And so um, it was my first year into the class, so I was a young gun, and I ended up uh, leading that race. And all of a sudden, uh, like, a little freak accident happened. I just, like, washed my front end and fell over. But I was so little, I was very small at the time, I got stuck underneath my bike, and it was, like, a blind corner. And um, I ended up getting run over four times just like a speed bump, just run over. I still remember that feeling of like just everything getting crushed in. And I remember like laying on the side of the, the, the jump or like the turn. I was just like, man, like I can't feel anything. I was just gone. And uh, they ended up taking me and airlifting me out of that place. Um, I went to Lakeland first, Lakeland, Florida, and then they airlifted me from Lakeland to Tampa because in Lakeland they were so like understaffed and like 
too many people in there. I was just like laying in a hospital bed in the hallway without my dad, without anyone there. And I'm like freaking out. I had no idea what I'm doing, like coming in and out of it. And then sure enough, all of a sudden I like woke up remembering getting onto a helicopter and they airlifted me to uh, Tampa. When we got to Tampa, like no joke, there was like 20 people just waiting for me to get there. And they just started working on me immediately. That was the first time I got introduced to uh, a catheter. I had no idea what that was. And that was brutal. I ended up at 11 years old, no joke, a male nurse came in to like perform that whole thing and I ended up punching him because I didn't realize what he was doing I swear like I swear I punched this this little nurse in the face and uh, they held me down and ended up giving something through my IV I knocked out and woke up uh, a couple hours later with my whole family there waiting on me to wake up it's crazy and <laughs> so 11 years old racing motocross mm-hmm. um, so t- tell me more about like the whole family thing like how did you how did you deal with that that's just a whole lot of tragedy hitting all at once. Yeah, uh, I actually went back to uh, verify that story because I was like, man, is that true? Like, is that just like a figment of my, like, of my thoughts? Like, did right. that did all it really happen? Did it seem like it all come together at the same time or did it really happen and at sure the same enough, time? It, sure enough, it did. And um, so the, the loss of my grandfather hurt my dad tremendously. And then obviously my dad battling with cancer, it was like one of those things where it's like all these things happening all at once, kind of just boom, 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 boom. But uh, my family was in the restaurant business, and the economic crash of 2008 hit my whole area like a freight chain because we had a lot of construction workers in that area, and we had, like, the only major uh, restaurant in the town. And then when the economy hit, they just everyone just kind of left our area. They just went on to find somewhere else, or they lost their house just like we did. And that time was very strange for me because – we were still trying to pursue racing and through that time we were like really trying to really make it and even through my injury like the first question i asked my dad was like okay is the bike good is everything good because like we need to get back to racing i fell into this weird uh like depression because i thought that my family losing everything was because of my injury or was because of me not winning a race or was because of me not being quote unquote good enough. So I remember just like sitting in my bedroom, listening to my parents argue because of financial issues and stuff like that. And it just would break me because I felt like I was the problem. And like I had suicidal thoughts when I was 11 years old. It was the most weirdest, darkest like thoughts and voices in my head at that time. And it, it very much humbles me now. To, to think about, like, what kids are actually going through. Right, through COVID and everything else that's going on. Man, that's crazy. So what year was this? Uh, it was around 2008, 2008, mm. 2009. So that whole, the economy crash. Yeah. Dad has cancer. Grandfather mm. dies. You get in a major wreck. Yeah. And somehow managed to put all that on your shoulders. Yeah, pretty much. Like it was your fault. So tell me, like, did you guys know the Lord at that point? Like, were you? So it's funny because yes and no. I, I always say we were labeled as Christians, but weren't living for God, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. And so it's like when I go back into the thoughts of what we were doing in the motocross industry, it was almost because like we said we were Christian, we believed in God, we thought we were riding motocross for God. And I had no idea that that was like completely off. We didn't realize that like God, that wasn't God's plan for our life was to quote unquote make it. I felt like it was God's plan for us not to make it because uh, when all that tragedy and craziness happened in our life, I mean, it, it exceeded for the next five years of just like trying to pick up puzzle pieces of like trying to rebuild our family, rebuild everything. 
But the, the crazy thing about it is, like, I felt like later on God said, I'm going to take everything away from you. I'm going to take your house. I'm going to take your business. I'm going to take everything so that all you have is each other. Because, like, our family, we we left our family down in South Florida. We Like, I came from a huge Italian family. They li- they all lived in one house, for crying out loud. And um, it, it was like a wake-up call to say, hey, what matters the most? And truly, now I've seen my family have go from having a Corvette collection to having a $500 van, and they're taking that to their Disney with their annual passes all super excited, ready to go, because, like, they're just excited to do something together. So it's crazy because it made us value our family time even more. And, like, my mom, I I just talked about this the other day. We took everything that we were left with, and we made the most out of it. Even in our racing career, like, my dad and I, we – like he still tried to do everything for me after I got out of the hospital, after he ended up, praise God, beating cancer. Uh, he ended up still getting um, some side effects, some backlash from that because his health just deteriorated so much. So he could barely walk. He had gout so bad uh, that he could barely walk, but he was still taking me to the track every day. And we were literally getting quarters to pay for like our uh, waters or our snacks going to the track and uh, et cetera, et cetera. But it was amazing because we took everything that we had and made the most out of it. And like I remember, my mom, uh, we had like a like a um, like a frozen pizza, and like she made it look like it was a five star meal. So uh, I actually I just forgot what, even what you asked me because I'm going on this tangent. But it was like just like seriously so amazing to me now that we went through that because now no matter what it is that we're doing, no matter if it's like a hundred dollar steak deal, uh, steak dinner, or we're having literally McDonald's for dinner. It's like, you can make the most out of it. If you just like have this little bit of like presentation for it. I don't know. It's crazy. Yeah. So, so really, I mean, I mean, if you, if you think about it, like you, you guys were fans of Christ. Mm-hmm. We talked about this a lot of the show. For sure. You started with Jarrett back in the day, but we weren't, fo- you weren't really following. Mm-hmm. You were a fan of him. But through this tragedy, he basically humbled you and really made you appreciate what you have. Yeah, it's uh, it's not about things. Mm-hmm. Things are nice. Yeah, um, we have nice things, but at the end of the day, family. How how important is that family? Mm-hmm. And and putting God first in your life. Mm-hmm. So through this, as you're humbled and you're you're no longer having those big, you know, get-togethers, or maybe you're having the big get-togethers, but you're not. You know, it's not the Corvettes. It's it's being excited to go to Disneyland. It's being <laughs> excited for a, a pizza or whatever else. Did you guys find yourself getting closer to the Lord at that point? Like, are you relying on him? Do you start truly following? So it's tough because you would think, like, through that, you're like, okay, like, we got to start, like, pushing into God. I felt more pushed away from Christ or any type of uh, relationship with God because I didn't know it was relationship. Where the church that we came from, they're amazing people, but I never got taught that. I always got taught the the stories in the Bible. I didn't get really taught about who Jesus truly was and who he is personally to me. So for through that time of when my family went through what they went through, I, I kind of blamed the church for what they did and didn't do. So it wasn't until, I, I mean, completely honest, it wasn't until probably 2016 is when like my family started to really wrap back into Christianity because 
my mom has always been like the anchor of our family. She's the prayer warrior. She's everything. She's listening to someone every Sunday morning because we ended up stopped going to church. We didn't go to a Sunday morning service for, man, I, I, I really think until like 2016. Like we stopped going to church. We stopped doing everything. But like every Sunday morning, there was a pastor on our TV and we would sit down together or um, we would just listen and kind of just be together. But through that time, Sunday mornings is usually track days. So my mom would like write these little like Bible verse notes and like leave them in the van before we would leave and kind of like still watering this this seed that was there, like watering this plant that was there. And and, and in all seriousness, like I really think it was years and years later until we even started to really push into God because it it literally felt like a snap of a finger of time went by, but it's like, I mean, 10 years went by like it's nothing. Nine years went by like it's nothing. And it felt like our family was in like this never-ending circle because I still had to get through high school and I was in through this like weird transition time of like, I don't think I'm going to make it in motocross anyway. And like it brought me so much pain and so much like just sadness. Like anytime the dirt bike would break, like it would just be like this catastrophic moment because we didn't have the money to fix it anymore. So it was like, man, like I, I can't do this anymore. And so that's where BMX came into the play. And that's where like this, this, outlet basically of when um bmx got introduced to my life i thought it was going to be more so about being a bad kid rather than it would be anything about god so to like to answer your question about like getting closer to god i think i unknowingly was getting closer to god because like it because it, i mean the bible obviously says it's like when you seek after him like he seeks after you it's like when you get draw closer to each other but for some reason i felt like i was uh, running away, but I was just on a treadmill. I wasn't actually going anywhere. God still had me in the same place that he wanted me. And so through the things that BMX brought into my life in the beginning, which was uh, breaking into places and riding places that we shouldn't, stealing stuff and just uh, smoking weed, drinking, getting introduced to those things all at once. It was like even like healthy for me because I was young and I was like got everything out of the way. And then all of a sudden I was like, okay, I feel very unfulfilled right now. Maybe I should like try and get better at riding. And then I just started to press into progressing more. And that's where I found my my love for motocross of getting faster was with my love of BMX of getting better, of like progressing in tricks. And then that's where God was like, hey, I'm going to use that BMX bike. I'm going to use this for something that you had no idea. So Right. So let's, uh, let's touch back on that a little bit. So mm-hmm. kind of figure out motocross isn't going to happen. Mm-hmm. So you're probably let down a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. Down. So you're actually in a form looking to rebel mm-hmm. with BMX. So tell me more about when you when you fell into that and you start. What? How old were you at this point? Um, I was probably, I started riding BMX, I think when I was 15 or 16. I believe 15, because I was like right before I got my license. So yeah, 15. Okay, so. So four years after, we lost everything. You're falling away. Mm-hmm. Family lost everything. Motocross isn't happening. And now you're smoking weed, drinking. Tell me more about that. Tell me about that. So I like using the reference of a fence. It was like uh, all of it was weird because when I was doing those things, like like Bible verses or my mom's like sayings that she would say would always like pop up into my head. It was always like I knew the entire time somehow that it was wrong. I knew I should not have been doing it. And I saw I felt not condemnation, but I felt like heavy conviction over anything that I was doing. But then I was like, oh, man, life doesn't really matter. Like, we're just having fun. Like, this is just fun. And 
it was it was weird because it was like little things that kept popping up into my head like 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 is this what your time's worth is this like why are you doing this it's like this is everything that your parents don't want you to do it's like come on like you know better you know better and I think I fought between this line of like uh, of the world and of God, but I didn't even really know who God was, but I knew what I was doing was wrong. Mm-hmm. And so I wanted to let go of, of the things that I was doing because like even smoking weed and even drinking, like it wasn't like heavy for me. Like it wasn't like anything that was like like consuming of my life. It was more so the... Um, like the action of everything of like participating around people and around like, like doing things that were bad. It was like having this like quote unquote party or fun. Like that's what I was drawn to was like this adrenaline rush of it, of like running away from the police or doing crazy things like that. So those things didn't really, uh, the the weed and the drinking didn't really consume me. It really just kind of like brought me back to the light almost. It was like, okay, like having fun is one thing, but these are the two things that your parents told you like to never get involved and to never do. And so I ended up, I couldn't get high from smoking weed for some reason. Like I would smoke a lot and would never get high or even drinking. I would never get drunk. And it was like this weird like sensation of like, okay, this doesn't do anything for me. So it showed me love. Like those kids and those people I was around showed me love. Like they were my friends. Like they, they would let me vent to them. They would let me be around them. But I, I knew that it was wrong the entire time. Right. You're walking that line. I I uh I knew it was wrong too. Mm-hmm. I still kept going, <laughs> for sure. But uh, God works in each one of us differently, right? So, so how long were you stuck in that? Like, how long were you in that scene? You're 15 years old, just got into BMX. You're rebelling. You're drinking. Mm-hmm. You're smoking weed. You mm-hmm. know what's wrong. How long? How long did it take you to kind of snap out of that? Man, uh, let's think about it. So if in 2000, so that's at that, around that time, I think it's like 2012. So that's when BMX really started to uh, consume my life. And it's weird because I, I never really thought of it, but there was a place called Fort Barakel, and it was a Christian-owned skate park. And uh, they would do Friday night Bible studies, and then you would come do the Bible study, and then you would get to um, like ride for free. And going back into my brain now, I realized that every single time that I was there, a lot of the kids didn't care. They just would sit there, barely listen, and then they would just go ride because that that, that was their in. For me, I always felt like I felt like I, they were being disrespectful. I always felt like this weird sensation in me. And I was like, man, like, no, I, like, we're supposed to listen. Like, I'm supposed to pay attention. I'm supposed to take note of this. And I feel like even that place was so much of, like, a watering on me of, of this scene because, like, I didn't understand why I was getting mad at these kids for not listening. I, I was supposed to be like them. I was supposed to be, like, yeah, laying back, slouching in my chair, not not caring. But it it was meaningful to me and I recognized that. And I was always kind of like the quiet kid that didn't really belong with the rowdy kids. But through this transition of time, um, I mean, it was years. It was just years of living in just like, man, whatever. Like I, I'll, I'll finish school and that's it. And like, I remember my mom told me, um, like, what do you want to do after, after high school? Like, what's your plan? And I'm like, honestly, I have no idea. Like I was they're like, well, if you finish early, like you can take that year to figure out what you want to do with your life. I'm like, Sweet. So I ended up graduating high school um, 
17 years old with like literally two months into my junior year. I just went through summer and everything and just finished everything. So um, ended up getting all my stuff together, finished high school, and they're, they're like, okay, go do what you want. And I just pressed into BMX as hard as I could. I had one friend that um, was willing to drive with me all the way to North Carolina to go to ride at Daniel Darius's place to learn how to backflip, to learn how to do these things that would later progress me into getting better at BMX. And so I just was like, okay, uh, I could, I'll, I'll, I'll just lighten up on the partying and stuff like that because it's not good for me. So I stopped. I literally just was like in this weird, lonely state of like BMX is all that I have. I, I wasn't drinking. I wasn't smoking. I knew that I was like, just gave up on that out of nowhere. Like there wasn't a time where I had like this, this realization of like, okay, I'm done with this. It was just never that big of a deal to me. And as I was going through this time of progressing in BMX, I just started to have just people pop into my life again, like just people that were from the church or these little things that like kind of draw my attention back to Christ. But it wasn't until 2017 when um, I fully went in with God and I was like, okay, boom, let's go. It wasn't easy, but um, I was working a job that I absolutely hated and I was making good money, but it was like, I, I looked back at my life and I was like, man, like this is what my time's worth. Like this is, this is it. Like I was working with guys that were, uh, fresh out of jail or like this is the only job they could get and it was like there was so much negativity from them like they're they would always come to me and, and positivity they'll be like dude you're 18 years old you don't need to be here like like you need to get out you need to get out but they were always complaining about their wives or complaining about child support like complaining about like real life problems and I was like man all right god and I remember standing in this like aisle and I was like put my head down and I was like I was supposed to be a somebody like I was supposed to be a motocross racer. I was supposed to be in the stadiums. I, I dedicated our my, my family and I, we dedicated our whole life. And like, we came up short and like, I was like, you know what? I don't even know if I'm speaking to the air. I'm speaking to you. Like, like, I know that you're real, but like, I don't, I believe in you, but I don't have like this like relationship with you. And I remember just like crying in this aisle and I just basically broke down. I was like, if you're real, if you're there, open the doors of my life and I'll take whatever door opens. But as long as you have my family's back, like just, just like, I don't want to worry about them because still to this day, I mean, I worry every day about my parents. I worry every day about my family and then and that's just weight on my own shoulders. But I remember saying that prayer and wiped the tears away from my eyes. And uh, I ended up went and I picked up, picked something up and I hurt my back and I was like, Whoa, that was weird. And uh, I had to go to um, the doctor to, get my back checked out. And as I'm sitting in the doctor's office, like bummed out, I'm like, man, I can't even work. Like, this is going to be a bummer. I'm like scrolling through my phone or my email. And I got an email from uh, Monster Army, which is their athlete program for like their starting of sponsorships. And I was like, holy cow, that's a sign. Ended up walking back into the into work and I uh, quit my job. And I was like, so excited. And I was like calling my mom, like freaking out. Then again, it's not that big of a deal, but to me, it really was. It was like a chance. It was like an opportunity to me. And uh, I remember going in, and uh, <laughs> the lady that was my manager, she just sat across from me. She goes, I, I'm, I wondered when we were going to have this conversation. You need to go and do it. Like, you, your job is always here if you ever need it. And uh, ended up dipping out. And it was funny because, like, all the guys that were working there, uh, as I was leaving, they're all, like, working, getting stuff going. And they're like, what's going on? What's going on? And, like, as I'm leaving, they're, like, high-fiving me and telling me, like, hey, you made it out, man. Like, it's just funny because, like, that's just, like, their mentality. But um, 
And then that's when uh, I ended up putting God first in my bio on my Instagram because I was like, man, okay, like if God's supposed to be first in my life, then I'll make sure that when people look at my social media that they'll see God first. And it was more of like a gag almost. It's like not, it was like kind of a joke, but like it's serious to me. But I knew people, I was like nervous because I knew people that knew me would like say I'm a hypocrite or they wouldn't like care. They would make fun of me. And uh, sure enough, that that simple act of putting God first in my bio is what got me involved with John. John Andrus DM'd me on Instagram. was like, hey, man, I noticed I have God first in your bio. And I'm like laughing. He's like, how would you like to come do like two weeks of shows with us in South Carolina? And at the time, I was introduced to BMX shows by um, a, f- a couple of friends of mine, Kyle Hansen, which is, runs a uh, team called Self-Destruct, which is what the first team I ever rode for. And... Um, uh, I was just like, okay, like, this is weird. Like, okay, God. All right. I hopped in the car and uh, packed all my stuff up in my uh, 1998 Chevy Lumina and drove up to South Carolina. And uh, that was when God really grabbed a hold of me because I, I, I sat back and I, like I said, I had done these, sh- like, a couple shows before and I had this, like, weird feeling like, oh man, this is, like, where I'm supposed to be. But it wasn't until I got with John and got with that whole crew that I realized that, like, there's a battle going on. And, like, riding BMX is secondary to the truth. And that truth is the gospel, and that's to save people's lives. And, like, it, like, it hit me so hard. I remember I, I write a lot, so I opened up my journal, and I started to write. And we're, like, in this cabin. I'm like, I, I had no idea that this is what purpose is. This is, like, a fulfilled life. Like, BMX is just a tool. It's fun, and, like, this is great. But, like, the truth behind everything is that... Jesus came into this world for us. And, like, I get to use BMX for that. Like, whoa, okay, this is weird. And then I just started to kind of listen. It was just listening. I listened to John. I listened to Vic. I listened to the people that were unknowingly pouring into my life. And because because of them truly is what, like, the, the, the like the, oh, there was an overflow of water on the plant. Then that's where my plant actually grew, was being involved with, what I thought was edgy and crazy and like got me in a lot of trouble, but it was like, no, this is what you're going to do. And you're going to do it for me, me being God. And going back into time, it was like this, this was, it was, it was, I felt like I was doing something. I felt like I was a part of something and it meant so much to me. I remember leaving that tour and going back home and, uh, I was like talking to my mom, we were hanging out. We had no idea that, um, flashing back into life when I was six years old that um, we ended up going to an event, a Christian event um, in in Fort Lauderdale. And uh, there was like 100,000 people there. They made this big stage and um, it was on the beach, but the, it was so like rainy and like bad weather that they couldn't, there was lightning. So they couldn't do the stage and the music, but they built a skate park and the skate park was on the beach. And that was like the only picture that I have of myself. And I was like, the only thing that I got to see was this skate park. And I remember like cheesing all excited in front of it. And, uh, I had no idea that that was a seed planted in my life because when I went home that day uh, after tour, um, I got a phone call from John and he had mentioned to me this idea of this, like this thing called city fest. And it was this big event. And, um, I ended up sitting back and, uh, he called me and I was like, Hey man, what's going on? He's like, dude, I know you probably just got home. I'm like, I literally just walked into the door, and he's like, well, this weekend, uh, Vic wants to use you. He wants to meet you. Uh, he wants he wants you to come to this thing called City Fest. It's gonna be in Michigan. I'm like, okay. Uh, what what do I need to know? He's like, well, book your flight. Don't worry about it. Just I need a yes or no. I'm like, well, let me ask my mom. 
And I go to my mom, and I'm like, hey, mom, give her a hug. I'm like, I got this thing called City Fest that I got this opportunity to do. I know I just got home, but they they really want me to come. And uh, I'll never forget, like, my mom, like, uh, stepping back and, like, putting her hand on the seat because I think it was, like, a realization of hope for her. And it's crazy. It makes me emotional because, like, I feel it. Like, I still feel her just, like, almost like a relief or, like, a wake-up because when she looked at me and she told me and she was like, what do you mean city fest? I'm like, it's, that's the event. It's called city fest. And she goes, that was the event that we went to when you were six years old that we couldn't even get into that. You got to see the skate park that you got to see everything. And I'm like, Whoa, the seed was planted. Then obviously my family went through a a lot of craziness to get to this point, but it was just like, God had his hand over my life the entire time, even when I didn't recognize him, but I knew that he was there. And so that's when I started to really build this relationship with God. It was was as at that time when I was like, okay, I'm going. Like, this is what I'm called to do. This is not what I really want to do, but this is what I'm called to do. And I sure enough, like, we went there, uh, ended up meeting some amazing people and gained some amazing connections. Actually didn't even get to meet Vic. He was dealing with some stuff back home, so I didn't get to meet Vic yet. But um, I ended up going home after that just on, on cloud nine, just, like, excited and happy. But something that I realized is that our bodies do work off a lot of adrenaline. They work off highs, and sometimes we don't use lows as fuel. We use them to, like, even stop us more. So when I got home after that trip, I remember just getting, like, almost depressed because I was like, man, like, uh, we were having so much fun over here that I'm coming home to a broken a broken home. I'm coming home to not having any friends. I'm coming home to literally, like, nothing. Like, no one to talk to, no one to hang out with. And it was just like such a awkward transition that I, I sometimes I even still deal, deal with going back home to Florida. Now I have a, right. a good community of people. I have a lot of people around me and I have a lot of love around me. But for many years, uh, it's been four, four years now that I've known John. So for many years through that, it was still um, living on the fence. It was, it was using imperfections to help other people. It was to, for me, it was like using the things that I struggled with to just reflect that onto other people and be like, hey, like, listen, like, I believe in this guy named Jesus, and he's radically changed my life. And, like, it's it's slowly but surely, but there has been a huge change in my life. Like, you don't need to do this. You don't need to do that. And it's been this amazing transition from year to year to year that I've seen progression through that, even through injuries, even through whatever else. Right. So it's funny as you mentioned that because I was, as I'm listening to you, I'm seeing this, and I'm saying, you know, God kind of had his hand on you the whole time. Yeah. He was steering you, he was letting you do your thing. He was waiting for that moment to just kind of say, hey, this is it. Like, this is where I want you to be. So he was always with you. Yeah. You weren't necessarily listening to what he was saying. Mm-hmm. But now that's different. So now here we are. You go through all these things, highs, lows. You get to go to City Fest. You get to go to these events. You're riding high, which I'll, I'll leave our listeners with something with that, that, that I learned through some friends of ours that really hit home with me was uh, that we weren't ever designed to live on top of that mountain. Mm. So when you're on the mountain, you're living the highs, everything's perfect. And all of a sudden we end back up down in the valley and we're going, what happened? Everything was so perfect. Like this, like how could it be so bad again? Mm-hmm. Well, that mountain was just the rest period. Mm-hmm. That was the soldier going back to the, to the base camp to, you know, re 
you know, get ammunition, get food, get sleep, get a shower, and go back out to do battle. Yeah. So when you're on the high, you're, God's giving you rest. Mm-hmm. He's equipping you for the next battle. Yeah, get prepared. Yep. So super cool, man. It's uh, it's so good to have you here and hear the story. So as we kind of in the you know near the end of this, mm-hmm. we always ask, what's one thing that you want the listeners to take home with them today? One thing. Find where God was. That's the thing. Uh, re- revisit things. Uh, don't don't stay there. Just revisit. That's what I had to do in my life was to go back and revisit where I felt like I was most lost or I felt like God was never there or God didn't exist, And but then to realize how faithful he truly has been from the beginning of my life. I always say now that um, you need to be content with where you are. Because like if you're not content with where God has you now, why would why would he ha- why would you even be content with what He has more for you? And so like I sit back now and I tell everyone I'm like, man, it, it's it's truly amazing because God does not try to do things in your life. Like I I don't see a situation now and I say like, oh man, what are you trying to show me, God? Like, what are you trying to teach me? What what are you doing? No, don't look at God as if He tries because God doesn't try; He does. And the interesting about God, thing about God's will is that God's will happens. So anything that you may face, it, it's part of the plan, man. Just plow, just get through it, just find rest, but then go back to battle because every single day there's another guy on the opposite side of the fence trying to pull you away from the best person on earth, and that's Jesus. Yep, that's good stuff, man. So um, obviously thank you so much for being here. How can listeners get a hold of you? How can they find your Instagram, social media? It's like, what do you got for them? So, um, actually, uh, I'm on Instagram, TikTok, all that, Louis Cortese 177, as well as I just started a YouTube channel as well. So, uh, Louis Cortese on YouTube, uh, just vlogging all the craziness that me and the stunt dudes and the boys get to do. So, uh, check me out on all over there. I'm sure it'll be linked below, but, uh, just check it out. I'd love to even just have a conversation. If you're wanting to ask a question about these stories or even, uh, Ask things about your life. Just DM me. I'm always down. Yeah, awesome. So check out Louie as well as FastLifeMinistries.com. You know all of our social channels. And please, if this episode had any effect in your life or know somebody who could help share it, like it, follow it, subscribe to it, all those fun things. And with that, we just thank everybody for listening and have a blessed day. Sweet.